Welcome. I'm Matt Morton. I'm here with Brian Fisher and Blake Jennings. We are talking about communication today. Blake gave a sermon uh, recently called Speaking the Truth in Love. Blake, just tell us why you chose the topic of communication for that sermon. Sure. Uh, What I know all three of us have found is that in any relationship, whether you're talking about a married couple, engaged, roommates, friends, co-workers, any relationship thrives or dies largely on the basis of people's ability to communicate when tensions are high. Communication is really hard. Uh, We bring our own bad habits, our own personal agendas, our own sin to it. And so you sit down to have a tense conversation and all of your bad stuff comes out, uh, all of your bad habits, and it makes it really difficult to have good communication. So what we did is discover a number of biblical principles that help us to communicate well and lovingly with one another, even when emotions are high. That's great. And I think all of us would say, hey, we've got some bad habits. I want to work on them. You brought up some great principles. Maybe the most common question that you've gotten from that sermon is, what if it feels like I'm the only one in this relationship who wants to work out our communication struggles and the other person doesn't? Right. That That's often a situation that people will face. They're the only ones who want to initiate a solution to this problem. Um, two things that I would, would say. First of all, a verse from Romans 12. Uh, in verse 18, Paul says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. We need to remember it's our responsibility to try to be at peace. It's not our responsibility to create peace. Only mm-hmm. God can do that. Only God can change the other person's heart. You can't do that. All you can do is try to be an agent of peace. So how do you do that? How do you take responsibility to bring peace to a relationship? What I would say is uh, in, before the relationship ever happens, principle number two that I laid out, fill your cup at the cross. Make sure that you're pursuing the Lord, that you're pursuing Jesus Christ in his word, in prayer. You are getting your needs met from him before you sit down. And then the second thing that I would say is in the midst of the conversation, um, when your partner is not willing to deal with it, uh, focus on what you can do about your own bad habits. We tend to focus on the bad habits that the other person brings Mm -hmm. and get really frustrated about that. We have to remember all of us have bad habits. You need to take responsibility for what your bad habits are. Look for them. um, Seek to walk with the Lord in the midst of that, in the midst of the frustration. Um, As you walk through that, take responsibility for yourself. That's all that you can do. Um, Final word of advice that I would give is that in the midst of those tense conversations, uh, remember that we have a, a God who has supernatural power, a God who is unbound by any limitations. And so even though your partner's not willing to work on their issues, God can bring healing. He can bring change. And so be hopeful. Believe that God can do things that you can't do. Blake, I've discovered that we all unconsciously learn bad habits normally from our families. Mm -hmm. So in in a sense that these bad habits are blind spots for us. We don't know they exist. We just function in this way. And uh, I have an unconscious assumption that others function the same way as well. How, how do we discover in a sense what those bad habits are? Right. I I think that for me, the most helpful thing, I I mentioned a book, A Lasting Promise, that has a chapter dedicated to the four bad habits. Uh, What was really eye-opening for me is that they laid out, uh, patterns that you will see. And often you don't see them until hindsight. You look back at the conversation and you see these recognizable patterns, uh, things that happened. And all of a sudden your eyes are open. You realize, wow, I I did this bad habit. So it takes some time. It takes some reflection. But I would really encourage people to, to 
pick up that book to read and and to see those those bad habits explained because all four of the bad habits that we talked about have uh, what you might call tells uh, that will jump out at you not again it might not be in the middle of the conversation it might not be till reflection afterwards but you'll look back and recognize them and that is so powerful that moment when you recognize wow that I did that that was me in the midst of that conversation I fell into that bad habit that can be really eye-opening and that will be the first step in beginning to overcome that habit because now you know that's where I'm going to tend so I can be watching for it and when I see the tell I can run to the Lord in prayer and and seek to resist that. Okay. Get practical for us again. You're in the midst of a conversation. It's starting to get tense. Mm -hmm. You didn't expect it. You didn't plan for it. But here you go. It's starting to escalate. What can you do practically to de-escalate the tension in that conversation? The most important phrase that I keep in my mind in those kind of situations is slow down. Our tendency is to rush, to justify ourselves, or even to try to fix it. Okay, things have gotten tense. I'm going to say or do whatever I need to try to amp down that emotional tension. You just need to slow down. Uh, The other book that I mentioned, Critical Conversations, I loved how it described in the midst of a surprisingly tense conversation, so you've just been caught off guard by the emotional tension in the room, it can be helpful to think of yourself actually leaving your body and watching the two of you have Have this conversation. Have you ever done that? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Metaphorically speaking, (laughs) yes, uh, many times. uh, Imagining that I'm watching the conversation play out and asking yourself, why are these two people having the emotions that they are? What are the unchallenged assumptions that each person is making? or the beliefs that they have erroneously brought to the conversation that have all of a sudden brought about this uh, powerful emotional response. So, okay, so what you're describing essentially is uh, empathy, okay? a, a little trick of your mind that helps you mm-hmm. empathize. So give us some more ideas about how you really develop that skill or aptitude to empathize with the other person. Right. Um, for me, the most helpful thing has been to force myself to slow down. So before I give that answer, I'm going to pause for a moment. I'm going to think about why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling or why are you feeling the way that you're feeling? I'm just going to slow things down. Uh, I do reserve the rights in tense conversations. If things are rough to say, let's, let's hit pause for a moment. We, we just need to cool down. We need to get our emotions under control so that we can have a good conversation. You can always hit pause. Now, that doesn't mean you're running from the conflict, but you're taking a moment to pause and collect your thoughts. For me, that is the single biggest help is when I hit pause and give myself a moment to think about the other person. Why are they feeling this way? They're not unreasonable. They're not a a foolish person. There's something that's going on that's causing this response. I need some time to think about it, but I also need time to think about myself. Why am I feeling this way? Um, Because often uh, I have fault to bear as well, and I need to discover that and address that in my own life. Now, there are some people that are listening to this going, Blake, that's all well and good if I even have open lines of communication with the other person. But other people are saying, it's like you're telling me I need an oil change when really I've got four cylinders out. I can't even talk to my spouse or my kid. The relationship has moved beyond the point of hope and those those communication lines are so broken. Mm -hmm. I don't see any hope of repair. What would you say to that person? Right. Uh, Let me give you a few pieces of advice for that situation. The first is believe. Believe that the marriage can get better. Believe that communication can get better. If you will choose to believe that, then when the conversation begins, you will be coming from a position of hope. And that changes everything. If you come believing it's not going to get better, then 
your communication is doomed. You need to believe that things can get better. You need to be hopeful. And in that belief, in that hope, you need to encourage the other person. I I often will tell married couples uh, that as they are sitting down to begin this difficult conversation, they need to begin by telling one another, I want this marriage to work. I believe this marriage can get better. I believe God can heal us. Now, how do you choose to have hope? If the, if the marriage is really broken, what do you do with that? Um, my encouragement to you is go back to principle number two, fill your cup at the cross. We have a God who can do anything. A God of supernatural power, a God who has healed countless broken relationships. Read the Bible. It's full of relationships that are utterly destroyed and broken that God brings reconciliation and healing to. So God can do anything. So I, I would encourage you need to spend time in worship. You need to spend time in the word, remembering and reflecting on who your God is. That will help give you hope that God can fix this. So first piece of advice is you need to believe that this can get better. You need to choose hope and speak that hope to one another, to tell one another you want this to work. It can get better. Second piece of practical advice is get help from someone who's trained to help. And I I recommend a lot of people to, to biblical counselors, to Christian counselors who can sit down with you and help you discover what are the negative habits you're bringing into this marriage. What are the challenges that you need to face? They can help you walk through some difficult ground and make a lot of progress. Counseling is not a sign of a weakness. It's a sign of strength. You're willing to get help. You're willing to work on the marriage. So, so well, get, in my opinion, I, th- I do think there's a stigma attached to counseling mm-hmm. in our community, but I, I, I'd like to reframe that for folks. Counseling is just one more form of discipleship. Mm-hmm. You're going to a person who has a, a unique skill set that they can pass along to you. So uh, an excellent counselor can give you a set of tools that maybe you didn't receive from your family. Maybe you've never learned, but you can now learn these things and bring them into your marriage and restore hope Mm -hmm. for yourself and for your spouse. Absolutely. I had a pastor friend up in Dallas who he and his wife would set up a counseling appointment every year, whether there was conflict or not. It was just, this is preventative medicine for us. We sit down, we, we talk through our communication, our issues, uh, and I think that's the right view of counseling. Yeah, it's it's a very positive thing that gives you tools that helps you through the, the rough spots. I've discovered as well, you it may not be a professional counselor, but you may know uh, a godly couple, mm-hmm. older or maybe not older, but wise that you see the patterns of communication in their marriage and really value those, respect those, and you can go to them and learn from them as well. Mm-hmm. And then third, and said, give three quick principles. Third one is that that lasting promise book does directly address the question of what if the marriage feels too far gone, and it gives you some practical tools, some techniques that you can use in your conversations that help slow things down, uh, lower the emotional intensity, and help you learn how to listen and speak uh, kindly again. So just real practical. Grab that book; it'll help you develop some tools that'll help you make progress. Great thoughts on the subject of communication. Appreciate it, Blake. Appreciate it, Brian. And those of you who are listening, if you need more resources, you'll find them at grace-bible.org. Thanks again. Have a great week.